Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another evening, another Wednesday uh, evening, looking at uh, the richness of our faith, uh, as I typically do on Wednesdays. I do this with Bob Cross. So, Bob, it's good to have you with me tonight. Thanks, Joe. Good evening. So, Bob, as we do on Wednesdays, we talk the stuff of Pope Francis um, and as we do each and every Wednesday, before we get into the document that we decided to take up, the joy of the gospel, we first reflect into various aspects where Pope Francis might be in the news. And as I noted last week, last week he met with uh, President Obama, and they had a what was intended to be a 30-minute meeting ended up being a 52-minute meeting. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about that before we get into the joy of the gospel. You know, there's been lots of... Uh, outlets reporting on what was said, what wasn't said. You know, what we do know, Bob, was that Pope Francis did, in fact, engage him on a number of top topics that a lot of Catholics were wanting and wondering about, as well as uh, Christians. You know, topics such as religious freedom, conscience rights, traditional marriage, defense of life. Uh, he did talk about immigration, maybe not as much as the U.S. would have liked him to, and also human trafficking was a main point, which was really interesting because I don't know if a lot of people were speculating on that. Now, human trafficking has been a major point of discussion for Pope Francis, just not with the West, but the world, um, as it is exploding across the globe. And so he talked about these things. Interestingly, the whole income inequality was a, a phrase that was... Uh, uh, thrown out there that wasn't really discussed to the degree, once again, that maybe President Obama would have liked. Yeah, I mean, Bob, you had one outlet saying one thing and then and then another outlet saying another. Yeah, I, I, when we, uh, we kind of broke down, you know, the the topics for this week, and, and I, I uh, you know, right after the meeting on that day, I actually went to both the White House press release and then the Vatican press release, and it was just just without even getting into detail, which, you know, we can talk about, um, it was just striking to me the, the difference in terms of the amount of, uh, of, of rhetoric. You know, I mean, here you have the Vatican press release. It was, at the time, just a, just a short paragraph that highlighted those issues you just mentioned in terms of topics that were discussed. And then you had, you know, the White House, uh, you know, the, the, the president's, you know, release and press secretary. And it was literally pages. Of all this, you know, it sounded and it read um, um, a lot like, us, you know, many of the speeches that we're accustomed to hearing. And it's just so interesting to see, you know, secular, you know, takes and points of view when it comes to a meeting like this, and the yeah. magnitude of two world yeah. leaders yeah. compared to something uh, that's very, very um, somewhat, you know, not abbreviated, but a little more to the point without a lot of the extra, you know, dialogue. Yeah, uh, the way the Vatican put it, you know, very, very pointed. It was very, very, you know, succinct and to the point. Yeah. Now, mm. I've been asked a number of questions since um, last week about this meeting, Bob, and, and I was playing around with maybe what can we talk about on the radio um, tonight? And 
I've just been resolved to go into the area of, of the why behind what they talked about. Um, so what, what, what do I mean by that? So he talks about, you know, he, he brings into conversation with Obama religious freedom, conscious rights, traditional marriage, defense of life, all for obvious reasons. Because in the United States of America, the Catholic Church has uh, grave concerns about uh, these topics. But why? Why does the Catholic Church go there with any of this? Um, does the Catholic Church have a right to go there with any of this? It's interesting on these topics, um, particular to re- religious freedom, conscious rights, and Glenn Beck says the popular Mormon political uh, voice says uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, well, we're all Catholics now. We're all Catholics now because it's fighting for truth itself. You know, if you remove that great principle and charter of freedom, ultimately what you do away with is the foundation of just not our country, but ultimately our civilization. In light of this, I thought we could unpack freedom a little bit more, especially as it relates to law, because this is the tension of freedom and law. I mean, the very idea of law is in a state of crisis because our culture views law negatively as a set of prohibitions and therefore as something that seems to lessen freedom. But good laws ensure freedom, even when they are negative, like guardrails along mountain roads or labels on bottles of poison. They are necessary. You know, submission to God, His will and His law cannot lessen freedom. For God is the author of man and His freedom. Both His free will to choose and His freedom from evil and sin. If you think about it carefully, you know, the wonderful author Peter Kreft talks about this in his work, Catholic Christianity. The author of freedom cannot be the enemy of freedom. Ultimately, in the end, it is this secular concept of freedom as self-will or license, freedom as the opposite of law that has proved terribly destructive to freedom, especially, as many of us know, in the 20th and 21st centuries, in many nations, families, and individual lives. You know, as we talk about freedom, as it relates to law, Bob, I always go to the analogy of one learning the piano. Uh, My oldest son when he was four years old and just learning to play the piano, was he free to play the piano? Was he free to go over to the piano and strike the key? Sure he was. But the question that I ask you, was he truly free to play the piano? Now it's been four years since he first started to learn uh, the piano, and now he is able to read music. He understands notes, all of the language that surrounds what it means to play the piano. He gets it. And now I ask you, is he free to play the piano? When my son Colby was four years old, he was free to play the piano, but it was nothing but clanging and clonging sounds, right? Now that he's eight and he's really beginning to read music, he's getting it and he's truly free. It's the distinction between a freedom for indifference and a freedom for excellence. It's the distinction between a freedom that is chaotic and disruptive and destructive versus a freedom that is attractive, beautiful, and desirable. It is the distinction that ultimately freedom is never autonomous from law, 
but is bound by law. Only because Colby understood how to play the piano and was obedient to the rules and the template of how to play the piano was he truly free to play the piano. Laws are in place for a reason. But if we begin to take laws and set them according to our own personal agendas, agendas that are driven by power, pleasure, then, then you have a problem. And we're experiencing a little bit of this today. So we must see freedom, not a license to do whatever we want, but a gift to do what we ought. This is what lies at the heart of this discussion of freedom. So when we talk about law as being this rigid, imposing, punitive thing, no, 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 no. It opens us up. It allows us to be who we are called to be. We are who we are ought only to the extent that we are obedient to the laws of God. Particularly when you start talking about the natural moral law, the divine law, the laws that belong to God, the eternal law. This is what lies at the heart of this discussion. So when Pope Francis is talking to President Obama about freedom of religion, and conscience protection rights. He's highlighting freedom as a principle, which is necessary for man to be the best version of who God is calling him to be. You know, what about this stuff of conscience protection rights? Well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, all you have to do is look no further than the catechism. You know, mm-hmm. in, um, you know when it talks about moral conscience, um, I can read 1776 out of the catechism, Deep within his conscience, man discovers a law which he has not laid upon himself, but which he must obey. Its voice, ever calling him to love and to do what is good and to avoid evil, sounds in his heart and at the right moment. For man has in his heart a law inscribed by God. His conscience is man's most secret, core, and his sanctuary. There he is alone with God, whose voice echoes in his depths. I mean, Amen. It's amazing. And we yeah, stop and think about it in, in light of, you know, this meeting that we're talking about between these two men. Yeah. So when we're talking about conscience, what we're talking about is the law that is inscribed upon the heart. So this is something that needs to be formed. This is some, it's something that needs to be shaped in truth. The more you pull it away, the more conscience becomes dull. You know, conscience is essentially to good and evil what sight is to color. You know, when we talk about conscience as it relates to the soul, it is the power of the soul that gives us awareness of the moral dimension, the goodness or evil of human acts. It needs to be formed, though. In time, if we do not form it, it will become callous. It is... We can say, Bob, a power of knowing. It is an intuitive or immediate awareness of good and evil. We need to protect our conscience and we need to form our conscience, right? Uh, And it comes back to this great principle of freedom because ultimately it is in being obedient to our conscience with the freedom that God has given to us that we can soar, that we can fly in our relationship with God. And certainly this is why 
Pope Francis would bring this to the table with uh, President Obama. Now, I know there are many, many cynics out there, Bob, who would say, well, he didn't listen anyways. I would say this. A lot of people were saying that about uh, Blessed John Paul II when he was meeting with a number of great leaders early on. And he established a friendship, a kinship with a number of great leaders. And lest we forget, Bob, according to Mikhail Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan themselves, it was John Paul II who was the instrumental figure in the fall of communism. I remember when I was uh, on a train ride from Chicago to Ohio, I sat next to a gal from Russia. And I just told her that I was Catholic, and she just bursted out with this great affection for John Paul II. She wasn't Catholic. Why? Because of what he did for her people. What he did in the name of freedom. So before we say, well, you know, this isn't going to happen, Joe, be careful. Because we have a recent example of John Paul II and his faith, but also his relationship with Reagan, his relationship with Gorge, his relationship with these people that had a huge impact on a very uh, well-known historical and political event. Right? There's, there is a reason uh, why there was a, an assassination attempt on his life. Uh, it, and it had political <laughs> undertone, to say the least. So establishing these relationships is very important. An important note here too, Bob, is that as it has been well documented, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has been invited when he is here in September of 2015 to speak to Congress. He received a personal invitation from uh, Speaker House Boehner. Uh, so that's interesting. Again, establishing these bonds are important. I mean, imagine our Holy Father there in Congress speaking on behalf of truth. That could be a very powerful moment, just not for the church, but for the United States of America. You know, this discussion between President Obama and Pope Francis is about making sure that in the name of tolerance, we're not being intolerant. You know, Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, when he was asked in an interview about tolerance, uh, specifically to the Catholic Church, he had this to say, and it's striking. He says, when people say that for the sake of not offending anyone, there must be no crucifix in public buildings, what is going on there? With that, we are basically experiencing the abolition of tolerance, for it means, after all, that religion, that the Christian faith is no longer allowed to express itself visibly. When, for example... In the name of non-discrimination, people try to force the Catholic Church to change her position on something like abortion. Then that means that she is no longer allowed to live out her own identity and that instead, an abstract, negative religion is being made into a tyrannical standard that everyone must follow. That is then seemingly freedom for the sole reason that it is liberation from the previous situation. So ultimately, what he's saying is that in the name of tolerance, we have nothing but intolerance. And simply what Pope Benedict is saying here is about the dialogue. If we remove these Christian faiths and the Catholic faith from the public circle, then what we're doing is we are removing from the dialogue. And it is in the dialogue that we discover truth, Bob. Again, dialogos. 
two sharing words. And it is in that dialogue that we can begin to discover truth. If you remove, as Pope Benedict is talking about here, if you remove the crucifix or the cross from the public square, the Ten Commandments from that public square, what are you doing? You're removing the dialogue. And that's very, very dangerous. Each and every religion must be free to express itself insofar as we can engage that dialogue. Sure. And, you know, every day you read another, another example of, you know, the attempt to try to suppress or to remove God from, you know, a, a classroom, a public place, anywhere, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's ongoing and it's prevalent and it's, you know, the, the most extreme, you know, case of, of intolerance, as, as you just noted. It, um, it's, it, it never ceases to amaze <coughs> how these, many of these people can stand up and say that um, you can't do or express yourself or your, your, your religion um, because it's intolerant when it's the greatest form of hypocrisy and they yep. don't even see it that yep. way. And the reality of it is, is there's a reason why we are unwilling you know, typically, if not all the time, it's because there's brokenness. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a very broken, broken world, Bob. So to be able to engage that dialogue means then we have to quest for truth. And if we do that, that means we have to take ownership of our faith. And if we do that, then that means I need to change. And we don't want to do that. Mea culpa. <laughs> you know? And so it's really to rise up in the spirit of truth and be willing to have that dialogue you know, I, I got from, from some outlets and from some circles, well, why would Pope Francis even meet with Obama? No, the dialogue is necessary. You know, history has been formed by such encounters. And I already mentioned, you know, John Paul II. The impact he had is, is uh, well known, and we just have to appreciate that for what it is. So there is something else here that I wanted to touch upon out from our discussion uh, between Pope Francis and President Obama, and that's what Pope Francis did last Friday. I just love this. And if you have YouTube before you, if you have um, the internet before you, uh, Google uh, Pope Francis uh, stuns the world um, during his uh, sermon on confession, and you're going to get it up right away. Basically, what he did during a, a prayer service um, where he was given a sermon, and afterwards he was to, to hear confessions, when he was done, he went towards his confessional. The master of ceremonies was taking him to his confessional where he was going to hear confessions. And as he was about to go into the confessional, he did a little bit of a turnabout and went to another confessional where another priest was already ready to hear confessions, and he bowed on his knees, and this priest heard Pope Francis' confession. Imagine being that priest. He's walking towards you. You have no idea, you know. Pope Francis in that sermon said, we are all sinners. He famously said in in the one interview, who is Pope Francis? And his response was, I'm a sinner. He wants us to, this isn't for show. This is, that's not Pope Francis. And I think he has everyone's respect on that, Bob, for sure. I mean, he, people get that this man is real. He's genuine. He's authentic. This isn't for show. He's going to confession because he needs to go to confession. And he does want to model that even your leader needs to go to confession. It was well documented that uh, John Paul II went all the time. Some reports said every day. I don't know if that's true. I think that might be a bit of an embellishment. But he went a lot. (laughs) He went a lot. And so important because 
certainly for us as Catholics, but for all Christians, really, to, to see this man of humility go on bended knee, to it, it's powerful. It's 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 really powerful. And I, I think that's you know a part of the uh, the, the attraction and the, and the charism uh, that he represents that <clears throat> the media and the rest of the world is is continuing to fall so much in love with, or at least very very uh, interested in, because you know you can tell that it's unscripted. You know, you, if you watch that video to which you're referring, I mean, here is this 24-hour, you know, penance service, you know, worldwide. And I'm sure they talked about, okay, now and they might have even rehearsed or, you know, discussed how it was going to take place, you know, for the media and everybody who's watching it. And, and, and I'm sure that they talked about, you know, okay, now, Holy Father, you're going to go over here and you're going to, you know, hear confessions. Now, and he's very, very, you know, I mean, ad-libs this. <laughs> You know. yeah, the, the master of yeah, ceremonies yeah. is a surprise. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, and it's and it's obvious, you know, to everybody that you never know, you know, exactly what it is that he's going to do because yeah. everything he does is from the heart. Yeah. I and mean, it's really, really apparent. Yeah, and it really is moving. And this mm-hmm. was uh, on Friday, yeah. Pope Francis, a few days before that, had called for uh, a day of forgiveness, a day of reconciliation, where he called the whole church to return to the sacrament mm-hmm. of confession and go before our Lord, and you know. Be one with God again. Receive that grace. So very important. And as we talk about this, it really leads into uh, our brief discussion as we wrap up on the joy of the gospel. Because in paragraphs 25, 26, Bob, what he does is he really highlights the need for the church to be mindful that it needs to see herself as uh, a sinner. Everyone who is a part of it needs to be on the pilgrim way. It needs to be rooted in humility. And so he brings this thing back up again. And it's interesting, in paragraph 25, he, he just says in very plain terms, now I know that I'm writing a document, and documents, while they used to be important, aren't, aren't very important anymore. <laughs> He's just kind of throwing it out there. You get the sense of it. But what this document is about, evangelization is the permanent mission of the church and it is the first priority of the church of course the great line from pope emeritus ben 16th the church exists for evangelization so he is reminding the church that essentially she has been established in all of its dynamism so as to evangelize truth so as to bear witness to truth and he's saying so let us pay attention to the important words that the Spirit is leading me to say, that the Spirit led those who are part of the, the, the Synod who gave me the initiatives to talk about, and so on and so forth. So then, in the following paragraph, what he highlights is the need for us to get out of this uh, administrative box, if you will. We can't be so locked in to how we go about doing things if it is not giving life, if it is not bearing fruit, if it is not evangelizing. Uh, So what Pope Francis wants us to see ultimately is that all of these church structures, Bob, these committees we belong to, these groups, and we all belong to some committee, right? Don't be so locked into it that you're forgetting why you're doing it. That God has called you to be a part of a group, a committee, a structure, whatever you belong to, so as to bring God to people, so as to be in relationship with God and in turn bring him to others. It's very easy 
to get so caught up, Bob, in the minutia of each and every day. You go to these meetings and they just kind of pass by and it's like, well, why did I go to this meeting of an hour and a half where we didn't really talk about anything? <laughs> we need to go into these meetings with a sense of, yeah, there is a purpose. There is an intention of why we are meeting today, tonight, or whenever you meet, especially when you start talking about uh, the local church, your local parish. Our meetings, our groups, we need to come together. And when we do, we come together for the sake of community, yes. But we are mindful that we are coming together for other people. And Bob, that is what he's trying to, to, to bring through. You know, He says our, our structures need to be animated by that evangelical spirit, that everything we do is pointing towards other. Everything that we do is pointing towards this new goal to evangelize. And this is what he's summoning the church to do, to embrace this great truth. Sure. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful the way that, you know, in the document, and, and we've talked about it, you know, again and again, he, he's always talking about, you know, um, community, you know, and, and this one he refers back to, you know, Paul VI and renewal. And I remember years ago, you know, this whole renewal, um, you know, effort throughout the church that was initiated by Paul VI then. Um, just as we were discussing, you know, the need for dialogue in communities and this, this healthy, healthy search for, for truth and, um, uh, and understanding, um, you know, whether it's meeting with, with the President of the United States or whether it's, um, you know, to, to the bishops or just to the, you know, the general public, you know, this, this Pope is calling us all to have dialogue. You know, dialogue initiates um, good things in communities that allows for us all to, um, you know, to figure out the truth on our own. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we come to we come together in these communities, the communities we dialogue and we put in the middle of the table truth and we say, okay, how can we bring this truth out into the world? What programs can we establish to the convalescents, uh, to the convalescent homes, to the homeless, but just programs and how to evangelize all of this? How can we get there? It's interesting, Bob. You talk about um, no matter who we are talking to, bring God to them. It has been noted by all those who have been close to um, Blessed John Paul II, Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, and now Pope Francis, whether they're talking to President Obama or some other dignitary or to some old friend down the, the, the Vatican Street, Pope Francis looks at them all the same way, all look at them the same way, bringing holiness into their encounters. And this, <laughs> this is... Uh, the end game, you know, bringing holiness wherever you go and giving glory to God at the same time. So with that, Bob, we're due to wrap up here. Um, certainly next week, we will once again take up where Pope Francis has been in the news and uh, probably make a little more of a dent into this work, uh, looking at some of the deeper themes that Pope Francis has for us uh, moving forward. Let's close in prayer. In the, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.
You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.